Mark chapter 4, verse 35, and uh, through verse 41, 35, 41. Very, very common. Again, again, another very well-traveled verse, passage about the calming of the storm. The, the title of the message tonight is Why Storms? Kind of goes a little bit along with the companion message of this morning. Why storms? Why does God bring storms into our life? Have you ever noticed what one person likes often another person will hate? We had to choose the color of the uh, chairs in here. We chose blue, and I had people come the first four, five, six, eight Sundays that we opened the auditorium up, and they said, I hate blue. I, I was dumbfounded. I, I actually didn't even know how to answer them. I, I hope you don't pick your church on the color of the pew. That's pretty shallow. I just hope you don't. But they were almost so vehement with me. Like, I just don't know if I can be in here with this blue. I said, well, how do you walk outside when we got blue sky in Florida most of the time? Amen. Can you all hear me? You got me up. Put me up louder now, man. Come on now. Um, what one person faces and conquers, another person will completely be overcome and defeated by. The Bible is clear that no temptation that we have is really unique to us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has taken you, but is common to man. But God is faithful. I like that. Who will not suffer you all to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation also make you a way of escape, or maybe escape that you may be able to bear it. In 1 Peter 4, 12, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. You born-again believers in this room, now many of you old veterans, and you've been through a lot of fire, already been, <laughs> you're already well singed. Some of you young believers, you may think that when I got saved, it's going to be, it's going to take off and be wonderful from here out. It will eventually be wonderful. But between here and heaven, there's got to be a lot of testing and trials go on to help you grow in Christ. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And we don't value patience as much as God does. God really, really values patience. And that's something I don't have a whole lot of and I need more of, and that's why I go through the trials I go through because God's trying to build patience in me. You can tell he's having a hard job of it. But let patience have her perfect or complete work, that you may be able to be perfect and entire, that is whole and entire, wanting nothing. That's why when it comes, when it is that some of us come under trial, and some people get crushed by their trial, and they fail miserably while others under the similar trial, pass with flying colors. The truth we'll speak about tonight is going to reveal why some succeed and some fail. Let's read our passage here in chapter 4, verse 35, 41. The same day when it was even was come, he saith unto them, let us go pass over to the other side. 
And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there was there also with him other little ships. Now I want you to get that. Underline that. There were other little ships. I've looked at that over and over and over again, and I couldn't believe that I haven't really focused on that sooner. The term ship simply means a boat. The average boat at that time that go across the Sea of Galilee was about 35 feet in length, 10 feet wide. It had about it was made of wood planks and rose out of the water on each side about two feet. So the planks above the water were about two feet on each side. It wasn't real, wasn't the most seaworthy thing you maybe would ever think. But you got to think that the Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long and seven miles wide. You can see from standing on it. You people just been there. In Capernaum, you can see over to Gadara. You can see across the thing. From the very north part of the of the lake, you can see all the way to the south part of the lake on a clear day. 13 miles. You can see it. You can see the whole thing in circumference. The lake sets down in a valley, and the two, two sets of mountains on either side funnel the wind. It's like a wind tunnel. When the wind comes from the north, it's like a wind tunnel that funnels down, uh, uh, down to the lake of the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is also deep. So that... In combination means that when that wind comes down on that lake, like a, like a funnel, and it's deep, the waves can get real big, real fast, and it can be deadly, and was deadly for many of people that went out there. Great storms would come up without notice almost. It says, there arose a great storm of wind, in verse 37, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. So, they're taking it. They're taking water over the side. Remember now, and you, you, you're a boater. They got no motor to put the face into the wave. So when that wind comes down, you're not able. You be you boaters here. You're not, if you, if you have a motor, you always put your head of your boat into the wave. But you never want to let that thing get around to where the rear of the boat's into the waves. The wave will come over the rear of the boat. The next one will come over, and you're sunk. Boom! It goes up down. They used to have a boat called a cigarette boat. And they, they said a cigarette boat could sink within like 10 seconds. It was terrible. They were great. They were great as far as a ride goes. They, they would cut the waves and everything, but they were built in such a way when the water got in them, they'd go up, down, boom, they were gone. So that boat would forsake you within 10 seconds. I've been in them. Always kept my eye on the back of that boat, make sure no waves came in. So they, they, uh, they were in bad trouble. The word great storm is, 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 can be translated the word squall. Because that's what it was. It comes up very quickly and super dangerous and took the lives of many people that went out on the Sea of Galilee. I hear the disciples, the apostles are in the boat here, 30 feet, 10 feet. You're going to get so many people in it. It's pretty overloaded. Jesus is in the back. There's some sort of a cushion there, a pillow, they call it. He's laying there. He's so, he's so exhausted he goes to sleep, even in the midst of that. Well, he wasn't worried about what was going to happen. But if you know anything about sailors and boats, these men were bailing with all their might. Now, you may not have thought about that when you read this story, but they're bailing. These people are not saying, oh, well, we're filling up with water. They're taking their clothes, their shirts, and they're taking their shirts and filling them with water and bailing them over the side. And filling them with water, bailing them over the side. They're taking, but they got buckets made of wood. They're, they're bailing as fast. These boys are working. 
When that storm began to blow down, they knew these are these are experienced fishermen. They knew the trouble. When that squall began to come down, they, they said, oh, man, there, here comes a wind. And the wind came down. They're already out too far out in the lake to go back. They, they were committed. And, then, and the waves began immediately to come up. Those men knew they were in trouble. It threw the boat in such a way the waves began to come over to the side. The boat, you can picture in your mind that all of them started, okay, let's bail, man. And we're bailing, bailing, bailing. And it's, it's got to be relatively noisy. I've, I've been in squalls. I've been in squalls. We would, for 35 years, a lobster down at Key West, and we would have to, we would usually go out past the Marquesas and Rebecca Shoals and those area, and we would, uh, oftentimes, lobster till it just got dark. When it just started getting dark, we'd pack our stuff up. We had about an hour and a half ride, two-hour ride back to Key West. And I don't know why, but the, but the storms in the summertime come down from the east and go to the west. And, it, and, and there would be, we would look towards Key West and it would just be solid black from horizon to horizon. Now, you people that boat, you know what I'm talking about. Black, solid black, horizon to horizon. And we'd say, oh, no, that's the way we got to go. We got to go across Boca Grand Pass. Boca Grand Pass was a killer. And you'd have a, it'd be real still, and all of a sudden you'd have a 50-mile-an-hour, up to 70-mile-an-hour wind, almost hurricane-force wind. I mean, just out of the blue, these thunderheads would come by with these massive, and the temperature would go from 90 degrees to 60 degrees, 55, 60 degrees, cold. You'd be ice cold. We used to put clothes on, try to, try to get warm, put wetsuits on. And that's for these boys. It got cold. When that squall came down on them, it got cold. It got wet. They knew they were in trouble. And like good sailors, they bailed. They could feel the stinging rain on their face. Now, anybody that's ridden motorcycles, Gary, you know what it feels like to have stinging rain on your face. When you ride a motorcycle in the rain, you don't go 60, 70 miles an hour. If you've got, you got no protection, you go as slow as you possibly can go because that thing is just like knives hitting you. Each one of those, each one of those raindrops is like a, like a little pin sticking you in the face. Hopefully, you better have some glasses on. With Gary, I don't know what he wears. I'll tell you what. You never know about that guy. But he, he just, it's mean. And he, they felt the water stinging them in the face, blowing. They could hear the howling of the wind. So it's, it's, it's an experience to go through a squall. It's an experience of smell. It's an experience of temperature. It's an experience of wind, noise, the water hitting you. So this, this massive, this experience comes on you quickly, and they basically concluded we're going to die. We're going to die. That was their conclusion. These waves breaking over the side. Light. Oh, I didn't I mention the lightning. Normally you don't have one of them without some electrical. When you get that much wind, it creates a static electricity against the shore, against the land, and you get this lightning going on. So you, you, if it was dark, you get, you get this white flash where it's light and then dark. And, of course, we know much about your eyes. You have cones and something else in there. I can't remember the name of them. That if you expose them to light, then they get overexposed to light. You can't see in the dark. And so they would get this bright flash, and that would overexpose their eyes to the light. And then when it went down, then they couldn't see anything. It was pitch black. So add all of that together, 
They're dying. This is serious. As this is, remember, they don't have the Bible, and they're not reading the end of the story. Fear began to fill their minds. We are all going to die. What made these strong, former professional fishermen fearful? Jesus was there. Jesus was there. They had seen the miracles. They just came off of a mighty miracle before this. They saw that he could, he, he could change nature, move things around. He could make bread. He could make fish. He could heal people. He's there. I don't see Jesus uh, worried. And so they went to the hinder part of the ship. He was asleep on a pillow, and they wake him and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? May I add this in? He does care. He does care. But he wants you and I to learn to trust. And he rose. Oh, would I have loved to have been there that day. There was a handful of people there that day. What a privilege that those people had. He rose. I don't know if he went to the front ship or what, but he rebuked the wind and said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Oh, you know, the boat's full of water. They just got done getting beat up. They're, they're, the, the temperature gets cold. They think it's over. They're professional. They know what they're talking about. They've seen this before. Jesus gets up. Peace. Be still. I don't know if he put his arms out. The picture is he's got his arms out. I don't know if he did it. That's all conjecture. I don't know what he did, but he said, I know one thing, what Jesus spoke happened. Why? Because he was God manifest in the flesh, the Bible says. God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. He spoke them into existence. No wonder the demons, when they saw Jesus, ran up to him and fell down on their feet because whatever he said would happen. If he cast them into the abyss, they went to the abyss. Whatever he said happened. That's why they... They knew who he was, and they respected him, and they called him, by the way, reverential names. We have great trouble rise up in our lives. We're sinking, taking on water fast. The, water, the waves of adversity are crashing over us. Our man-made protections are just not enough to stop the trouble. We work furiously self-salvation, and we bail as hard as we can and as fast as we can until we grow weary and can no more bail. And all of our human efforts are not working. And after all other options are gone, we decide to go to Jesus. Have you been guilty of that? I know I have. We decide to go to Jesus, which, by the way, is just a short distance away from us, literally a matter of prayer in Jesus' name, and we call on him, and we almost rebuke him for letting, him, letting us get into this mess. 
And Jesus comes in for us and rebukes the storm in our life and says, Peace, be still. Be still and know that I'm God. He said in verse 40 of chapter 4 of Mark, and he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? And how is it that ye have no faith? He didn't give them a graded, like you got an A, you get a C on this one. You get a C on this test. No, no. You get a D on this test. No, no. He said you have no faith. Why were you so concerned? Well, they could have gone into a whole long thing because we're sailors and we know the storms and the way these come in. We were sinking. It was hitting us in the face. The sound of the lightning. All itself, it was cold. The boat was filling with water. It was full of water. And we thought the next thing he's going to do is we're going to sink. He's like, I'm on board. Do you know Jesus is on board your life? You young married couples, Jesus is on board with you. You people raising kids and wondering what in the world is going to happen, how is this going to turn out? Jesus is on board with you. You older people wondering how you're going to die? Jesus is on board with you. He's going to stay on board with you all the way. The Bible says he'll never leave you. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Do you believe it? And look what verse 41 says. And they feared exceedingly. I thought they were afraid of dying just before that. These boys were afraid of dying. I thought they were pretty afraid of dying. It sounds like they were pretty afraid of dying. But it says after he did that and rebuked the wind and it became calm, and he said, you have no faith. Listen, it says there, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, what manner of man is this? That the wind and the sea obey him. Now, I've been out on the ocean. She's a mighty, mighty, powerful girl. The ocean's always referred to as female. These people that named male hurricanes, it's wrong. It's just wrong. They should all be female. If anybody knows anything about women, they should be named. There was a reason why all of our hurricanes were named after women. Before we got into the woke, generation. The ocean's always been referred to as she and her. I've been out when I thought we were going to die. Thought we were going to die. Troy, I had Troy's little, my, my wife entrusted me with taking Troy fishing. She said, now bring him back as if I had any power to do that. We went out one time with my brother and seven, 16 foot boats, 16 and a half foot boats. If you know how small that is in an ocean, a 16 and a half foot boat, it's like a postage stamp. We went out 30 miles probably out, went out into the, uh, off a of marathon, way out into the, uh, what do they call that? The, oh man, I had a blank on that. But anyways, there was a current out there. And so we're fishing, a big storm comes up, the wind from, from the shore to us. And we get, I'm telling you, we got 10 foot, Waves with caps, with two, well, a two and a half foot, a foot and a half cap. We tried to go over it, and it went airborne, and then came down to the next wave. The next wave then is there. You go like this on, and you, and you, they're both shut. So we had to turn to the side, and so we could only go into the trough. That was the closest to believing 
And where I got convinced that this was it. I can tell you the ocean will humble you. You cocky, get out in a hurricane or a storm with the ocean. It'll humble you. You realize how small you really are. You realize how easily you can be snuffed out when you get out in the ocean. These men, they said, the wind and the sea obey him. I love that. What manner of man is this? This is, I believe this passage brings out the essence of our Christian, of, of Christians failing in the walk for Christ. Why they fail. No faith, no trust, only words. God doesn't put much weight on words. Faith is a verb to God, not a noun. Faith is a verb, not a noun. If you have faith, action will follow. That's what I mean by a verb, not a noun. It's not something you possess. It's more something you have that you that causes you to act on it. Faith is act. You're here tonight because you have faith that God's going to give you something out of a message and sing in a song service. You have hopefully that's why you come. You have faith. You have the faith of a grain of mustard seed. You come and say, God, I need something from you. You pray. Why? Because you have some faith. You believe God will actually answer prayer. You're not just saying words to nobody there and it's going to the ceiling and coming back. You're actually praying because God says, come before the throne of God boldly. He says to do it. So you have a faith to do it. Faith causes action. There's a lot of people who have noun faith, but not verb faith. God's going to bring storms into your life to see what kind of faith you got. Is it a fixture or does it cause you to change? Does it cause you to move? When you get sick, where do you go? When you get, when you get feeling like something's, the, the, the walls are falling down around you, where do you go? When your marriage is in trouble, where do you go? Hopefully you don't go to alcohol. Hopefully you don't go to drugs. Hopefully you don't go to psychology, circumstantial psychology or any of that. Hopefully you go to the only one that's got the ability to cause the wind and the waves of life to obey, and that's Jesus Christ. Man, it is so important as a born-again believer that you got this clear in your heart and your mind. Jesus is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. I'm not saying there can't be some good in some other things, but when it all comes down to it, he's your source of help in the storm. The storm comes to drive you to him. Because as long as we're doing well and things are good and the sky is blue, we don't feel like we really need him too much. You know, now I lay me down to sleep, now I pray the Lord to keep prayer. Uh, maybe before you eat, you say, Lord, thank you for the food. But what drives you to get in your knees before God Almighty and wrestle with him? Storms. Storms will do that. All through the Bible, we see storms. All through the Bible. All through the Bible. The ones that succeeded were the ones who went to God in simple childlike faith 
and cried out. It was no faith that caused Israel to fail as a nation. He says in Deuteronomy 32, 20, and he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are very forward as perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. That's what he said about Israel, his children. And you know they fail. I mean, you read the Old Testament, it's a, it's a testament of failure mostly because they just wouldn't believe God. The kind of faith that we're talking about is the kind of faith that allowed the lame to walk and the blind to see and the dumb to speak and the fig tree to wither and the woman issue of blood to be healed and Jairus' daughter to rise again and rain to stop for three and a half years for Elijah and the three Hebrew men to stand in the fire and Daniel to live in the lion's den, Israel to walk through the Red Sea and Abraham to have a child at a hundred. God has always required faith. This church here at Gospel started from a little motley crew of people that wanted to see God do something in north north part of Bonita in 1980, 1979, 1980. No money, no expertise, just belief in God that he, if he wanted us to do it, he could do it. And God did it. These buildings were built by people with faith. This property was purchased by people with faith. The school was started in 1986 by people with faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Do you believe? If you struggle, say, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Help thou my unbelief. You're, the storms that come into your life will either make you or they will break you. But whether you like it or not, storms are going to come in your life. There's no temptation. There's no trial taking you, but it's just common to man. We all go through different. Now, no one life's the same. Brother Crichton's life's not been like my life, you know. Jenny's life's not been like my wife's life. Jenny's married to a nice guy. <laughs> my wife's had some storms, brother. You ought to give my wife a big hug. We've been married 52 years. Been married 52 years to Tom Crichton. Eh, that's easy. <laughs> I know, Tom. Be, be, Forgive me, brother. But being married to Bill Lytell for 52 years, that ain't easy. I'm not proud of that. I'm ashamed of it. But it's not easy. It's not been an easy road. But she believed God. It was counter to her for righteousness. Abraham believed God. It was counter to him for righteousness. Who are you going to be like? You're going to be like these scared sailors? What are you facing? Trust God and put your face into the wind of adversity as the storm blows all around you and feel a sense of peace because Jesus is in your boat.
Jesus is in your boat. I'll tell you one thing. If I took Jesus on a trip, I'd feel good about it. Wouldn't you? I'd feel good about it. The Lord's with me. You going to catch him today? If we don't, he'll say, throw your net on the other side. 153 fish. We've, we've labored all night, caught nothing. Throw your net on the other side. At thy word. That's, that's, that's just, that's, that's it. That's what made him. That's what made him. At thy word. We'll throw the net on the other side. We've toiled all night long, caught nothing. At thy word. And they caught 153 fish. I think it was 153. Maybe that was another time. I don't know. Yeah, well. They filled their nests where they were breaking. I know that. That's big. How do you trust? Where's your trust? Where's your trust? Listen, the troubles you're having are to find out where your trust's at. The storms you're going to have to find out where your trust's at. The marital troubles you have is to find out where your trust's at. Financial troubles. Hey, there could be a financial storm. If, if any, I'm telling you, there's enough gloom and doomers out there about the economy. Uh, uh, you know, the housing industry's already taken a turn for the south, going south already. And so... Uh, who knows what in the world may happen? Are we going to have a second depression? I don't know, but I know God's in my ship. And it wouldn't hurt me to go without a little bit anyway. Amen. Wouldn't hurt me to do without. It wouldn't hurt us to do without. I thought of today, I don't know if you ever think of this stuff, and I'm, I'm going to stop. There's no clock back there, so hey. I don't know, Tom, if you ever think about this, but I was in my house today. I went outside for a little bit this afternoon, and it was hot. It's humid, 100% humidity, 93 degrees. It's hot. You know, summertime. I love Florida. I'm not complaining. But my wife, she recounted how long it takes her to start sweating. It's about seven seconds. <laughs> and she'll say, look, my sweating on my forehead. Look at look at the sweat here. Look, I'm sweating on the back of my neck. Look. And so she sweats like that. I mean, just like that. And then we, you know, she'll want to go inside. So we go inside. And I walk to open that door. And that 47% humidity, 44% humidity in some places of the house, hits me with that cool uh, 74 degrees. 74 degrees with 44 to 47% hits me. And it's like, it's like my mother hugging me and giving me a kiss on the cheek. And I think of Haiti. I think them boys down there don't have that. They didn't have it when you and I went, and they don't have it today. And every day they get, by the way, Tom will affirm this, it's hotter than in Haiti than it is here. It's further south by the equator. And them boys in Haiti tonight are having church services like we are. They're in the same time zone we are. And they're having church service tonight no AC tonight. Now in Haiti, they wear sport coats, ties, 
the girls all dress up real fancy, and they walk for three or two, three, four miles to get to church without their shoes. They carry in their shoes because they don't want to get their shoes dirty. They get to the service, and they'll sit down and put their shoes on because when they go into God's house, they want to reverence him. And they put their shoes on, they stay clean, and they come into God's house in a room like this with, with uh, three, four, five hundred people, and they begin to sing, and they sing for like an hour, hour and a half, putting out 500 BTUs per person, 100% humidity. I'm soaked wet. Every time I went, I was soaking wet. I had a sport coat. I was wet down through the underwear, soaking wet, dripping off of me. And it was my turn to get up and preach. And so I get up and preach. Now, they, they want you to preach for 45 minutes, hour. They didn't walk for five miles, six miles, eight miles, ten miles, a couple hours, so that you do a short sermon. They want a long sermon. It's hot. I think of my brothers and sisters in Haiti. And I think of the privilege we have. It'd probably do us a little good to have some hot services. None of you seem very enthused about that. And you know, the only way you'd ever do that is it'll be forced on you. And the only way I would ever do it is if it got forced on me. Because that's the only way they're doing it. They're not doing it because they love to suffer. I just love to suffer. No, no. They're doing it because there is no other alternative. And they meet together. And when they go home after the service is soaking wet, their houses are just as hot, if not hotter. What I found trouble was, I don't know if you found I had trouble sleeping when it was that hot. I had trouble sleeping, man. No sweat would beat up on me and roll down, tickle me. It, it, it beat up and roll down. And it felt like a bug. Trust me, a lot of bugs in Haiti. And, and I, I felt like a bug was crawling on me. So I'd, I'd wake up, you know, but it was sweat running down me. I want to tell you, you should be grateful tonight for what God's allowed you to have here in the United States of America. Never complain. May God help us to make it through the storms. Don't get bitter at the storm. Don't get mad at the storm. It's God's tool so that you trust him. Father, help us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947-1285. Thank you and God bless.